This TSN 1040 podcast is powered by Metro Ford. The deal you've been waiting for is on now. Ford employee pricing. Details at MetroMotors.com. Time to go rink-wide on TSN 1040. Now, here's J.D. Burke and Andrew Wadden. Welcome to Rink-Wide. It's the show that always scores. J.D. Burke alongside Andrew Wadden. Two hours of the best hockey talk in the city. We got a real good show lined up for you guys today. Number one in the... Athletic Vancouver Power Rankings. Thomas Drance is going to be sure. He's 1A, 1B with no, Armand Dahl. No, Rick They're both Dol- number Rick one to Dolly me. Wall. Oh, but that's right. We got, got Dolly World. You got no love for Dolly yeah, World? True. Come Tom- on. Dolly World is number two for me. <laughs> number two. And the editor goes ahead of Drance. I don't know where Drance is. He's unranked. He's on my do not draft board. Thomas Durant's going to join us in the first hour. He's coming up at the bottom of the hour. Second hour, Rick Dollywall is going to join us from The Athletic in Vancouver as well. TSN 1040 contributor. Also, Craig J. Button, TSN's director of scouting. Love having Craig on. The opinionista. Have you seen that on his Twitter? Yeah, I, I love have. that. I it's, love that. Uh, I don't know. I think it's very. I feel like someone wrote that for Craig. He doesn't seem like the kind of person that no, would, I, I would coin see. himself as that. I could see him doing that. I love Craig. Uh, his analysis. I want to talk to him about Craig the. Is the man. Uh, I want to talk to him about the Sabers because he's got opinions on the mm-hmm, Sabers. Mm-hmm. I heard it this week on the station. Want to hear some more of that? Also, want to talk about NHL GMs. Like why certain NHL GMs can't get themselves back into the league? Like Michael Gillis. I know. I, I, don't, I don't even I know like where that. that came from. I like that. Though. I have no idea where my mind's palace birthed that. Although I get a, fe- I get the feeling that um, the inbox will light up a little bit. He's a he's a polarizing guy. That Mike Gillis. Yeah, but- a lot of people hate winning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, kind of weird. They seem to defend uh, this GM and this front office. Yeah, like I said, uh, they ha- lot, they yeah. hate winning. <laughs> well, we already got stuff coming up in the inbox, but yeah, that's who's on the show today: Thomas Trance, Rick Dollywall, uh, Craig J. Button. So much to talk about uh, in the NHL world right now because we've just got tons of news, including stuff that uh, came down today. Larry Brooks from the New York Post, Brooksy as they call him, or uh, favorite of John Tortorella. John, John Tortorella's favorite uh, uh, reporter. Uh, reporting today that, as we knew, training camps were to open July 10th um, in the National Hockey League. Now, we'll get two year, two weeks of training camp. Teams are to depart July 23rd or 24th. And then the play-in slash qualifying round will start uh, just after July 30th. There'll be one exhibition game beforehand as well. Also finding out that uh, each team can carry up to 30 skaters and unlimited Amount of goalies, J.D. Burke. So David Ayers will not have to find himself in a hockey game. Could you imagine if David Ayers put a team like... I would love to see the see. Toronto Maple yeah, Leafs end up against the <laughs> Carolina Hurricanes in like round two or three. And David, David Ayers. Ayers. They have an unlimited amount of goaltenders. So like, even though he's you know was classified as an e-bug, well, he could just be a part of their roster. They got unlimited goaltenders. Why hey, not? J.D., you were a target. I was. I was a target. I was. Maybe both of us can be part of that as well. You know, just suit up for the Canucks. Something tells me that the Canucks front office isn't exactly rushing to build a relationship like that with me. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, Something tells me that they're not rushing to sign me to any, yeah. any sort of contract. I can't put my finger on exactly why that is, but uh, I think you're right. Because I that. keep it 100. 
as the kids say. Um, yeah. What else we got here? Also, uh, some harsh allegations in the uh, uh, junior hockey world as well. Oh boy. Uh, coming down from uh, Dan Carcillo and Garrett Taylor, I Sorry, believe, sorry. He? From who? Did I say Carcillo? Gar- Car- no, you, you okay, said Carcillo. 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 Carcillo, Carcillo. You, you ever heard that before, Jason? Yeah, like, I, I don't think I have ever heard a Carcillo before the Bruins man over no, here. No, you know, people who know hockey know he's Dan Carcillo, but... Well, he only, oh, okay He there, only appeared guy. in three or okay, four basket. Stanley Cups Dan in a Carcillo. row. Excuse me, okay? Yeah, okay, okay. That was very Italian of me at the end hey, there, too. Hey, whoa, I'm uh, doing names over here. But what let's... I mean? uh, hey, listen, nothing funny about the allegations that are out there, though. No. About this as well. No, um, damn no. JD, I mean, for those that don't know, maybe fill them in a little bit. Ken Campbell had a piece on this this week. He was on the station yesterday also uh, rick westhead uh from tsn also yeah. uh, talking about it uh, just some another black eye for junior hockey in canada yeah yeah no kidding and and they've got uh, a pair of them and and you know if you want to go like super meta you could even say that their their third eye has also been black and there are so many damning allegations in this report some of them leading directly to the feet of vancouver giants head coach and the head coach of canada at the ivan holinka Wayne Cup last season, Michael Dick, uh, not necessarily alleged by Dan Carcillo himself. I don't but, know who that is. I know but, a Carcillo, but... Uh, but by one of the plaintiffs, because it is a, a class action, right? So it yeah. can contain the, the complaints of, of uh, multiple, um, multiple people in there. So it, it's horrible stuff. I don't even feel comfortable recounting this stuff on and, the radio, And please don't. Frankly. And please yeah, don't. It's, I'm going to take a pass yeah. on it, but... I think what what it will suffice to say is that there are allegations of rampant abuse of the emotional, physical, and psychological variety, hazing, uh, sexual misconduct, uh, sexual assault, you name it. It's all in there, and it's all in there in uh, bounty, right? Like, it's, it's very grim. It's very difficult to read. I yeah. wouldn't recommend anybody do. But if you're looking for that article in the interest of maintaining integrity here, that would be Ken Campbell of the Hockey News who reported that one. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've seen a lot of commentary on this, some, some very short commentary on this as well. Um, it's got nothing to do with Dan Carcillo. No. Like, it, it, I, I think and, you're and, completely... And he's mis- also reformed himself in terms of, like, saying that, hey, listen, I was the problem in the past. Yeah. And now I'm trying to write that. Here's why he is a perfect pig, uh, uh, not pig, figurehead. Yeah. A perfect figurehead because he grew up in that institution. He was formed by that institution. The way that he viewed himself, his environment, his teammates, you name it, was all fostered within the institution of Canadian junior hockey. And you know what? He grew to hate himself. He is the first person to say that. He hates the person that he became. And there have been allegations of, of racism levied against Carcillo. He's owned it. There have been allegations of abuse levied against Carcillo. He's owned it. He's not coming out here as an untarnished leader, as an untarnished figurehead. He's coming out here to say, look, I became this monster. I was able to correct course eventually at one point in my life. And another reason that he's a, a worthwhile figurehead in this instance is he had success. Right, and some of the players that are linked to this, right, they never got to the NHL, so it's easy for certain people, uh, certain four foot tall people, to point at them and say, "Look, 
He was a seventh defenseman. He was never going to make that's, it. That's, that's just... For one, that has nothing to do with it. That's disgusting analysis, to be honest with you. That has nothing yeah. to do with it. Yeah. You this guy, this you, guy was a barely a fringe player, so he deserves yeah, so he, abuse? he can be abused, yeah. Yeah, come on, man. But Dan Carcillo, how are you going to say that against a guy who's in three or four straight Stanley, Stanley Cups? Cup winner. Yeah. yeah. How are you going to levy that against him? Yeah. And he speaks for a very large community of hockey players. There was another player of the Kitchener Rangers who just stopped playing about a year ago, I think. Eric Guest is Eric his Guest, name. Yep. Alleges that he was forced to use cocaine as a rookie when he joined the team. <laughs> what was that, three or four years ago? That's ridiculous. Two to three years ago? Yeah. If, if you are looking at this situation and you have anything to say beyond we need to burn it to the ground, you... you <laughs> You're a part of the problem. Yeah, they they need some they need they definitely need an investigate an inquiry it seems like on junior hockey in Canada because it was far too often we're kind of seeing this stuff sort of rear its ugly head. I did we did have um Ron Toigo who is the uh majority owner of the Vancouver Giants on. Uh he didn't really have a whole lot to say about Michael Dick, his head coach in terms of just hadn't really known all of the allegations just yet. When he was on the station, he was actually brought in on to just talk about the WHL and how they've got a return to play sort of plan for next year. And then sure enough, this breaks and we're forced to talk to him about it. So a tough situation for Ron to answer that, but also said, you know, in all his years in junior hockey, he hasn't experienced any sort of hazing, hasn't seen it. Yeah, I, that's, I, that's, I, yeah, well, they don't usually him. do that in front of owners. I get so. that, and I believe him. Like, on hey, that. Ron, come on down. We're going to. I hear that. You know. And I, but I believe Ron when he says that as well. But also saying, you know, this is the kind of thing that, you know, and I'm speaking in, in, in what he said that happened more in the 70s and 80s, but that is not correct. Like, and, and, you know, maybe Ron's naive to that, and that's fine. But as an owner, you can't be really now. Like, there's too many of these things that are coming up. Teams have to start to get in touch in front of this, whether it is you know the Vancouver Giants, whether it's the London Knights, whoever. Canadian mm, Hockey League neglect is a form of abuse. Yeah, and we've got to we got to get on top of that as well. Um, Parents are trusting this institution with their children. Well, okay, in the inbox right now, you might want to throw alleged in there before chastising anyone that questions intent. Well, we did say alleged. Yeah, they they, they were. These are allegations. Yeah, I I, I specified yeah. that. Yeah. On multiple occasions. Anyway, and, and wait, wait, wait. Hold up a second. That's your issue right now. Yeah, that's your issue. Like that's your priority. We're talking about children here suffering abuse of every sort. But I'll, 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 I'll systemic. I'll play devil's advocate there, though, just to say that they yes, but there also are other people's livelihoods here, like Michael Dick, like anybody else that was mentioned in that that do have to have you know their right to explain exactly what happened if anything happened so damn them I, to I hell do, i do agree with that i'm not no, gonna... I'll, I'll, I'll come out right in front damn them to hell if any of this is true if even a fraction of this is true they need to be fired some of them need to be put in jail it's tough allegations Alleged right now. my ass we'll, if that's what you are upset about you are missing the point completely we'll see uh what uh what, what further develops of this in the next a uh, couple of weeks I guess this is the drop the puck segment, so you can hit the whistles between stuff there, Croker. We don't need to hear if, the intro. If, if you're with us. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's, yeah, he's, hasn't quite checked out. Around 1.30, he really checks out. Cause then he knows that the finish line is ahead of him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, he's already texting Andy, like, I'm yeah. so sick of this crap. Yeah, you gotta get like, in here. These guys are in here again. Uh, okay. Uh, COVID 
positive tests in the NHL. Wow, shocking. Yeah. Um, one of them allegedly, I will say allegedly because we don't know if it's 100% true, but Steve Simmons from the, uh, the Toronto Sun reporting that Austin Matthews is one of the guys. There's a group of skaters that were skating in Arizona. Also, the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning had it go through. They uh, temporarily shut down their facilities as well. Um, you know, the boys, they're back in town in Tampa Bay. I don't remember if you saw that video, yeah, but the boys video. are back in town. It's a pretty cool video, though. Yeah, I no, was a little envious that they all had their own jet ski. It's like they were all jet skiing towards COVID, COVID you know? <laughs> oh, that's, it's funny, but it's bad at the same time. Um, and that brings me to NHL hub cities as well, though, because... You know, we did see that Vegas was going to be, and as we mentioned in the crossover, it looked like it was going to be a done deal. That was seven days ago. Now, mm-hmm. that, put it this way, I kind of like what the NHL is doing here because they're taking their time. Like, yeah, sure, Vegas is a, is, a, is a great spot to go to in terms of, you know, the bubble that they could put together there. But at the same time, they haven't really committed to anything just yet, and they're sort of letting their the, the time they have dictate exactly what they're going to do. Because if you look at the MLS and you look at the NBA, they both must be like, whoa, like <laughs> we got to maybe think this over. Not only in the NBA because of what's happening with the civil unrest in the States and the amount of African-American players that play in the league that are you know sort of divided on where, whether they want to return or not, but as far as the MLS is concerned, like they've got a tournament, which is a pretty cool idea, that's all set to go. Like, I mean, what are we? It's July 8th is, is kickoff for that. And now we've seen 4,000 new cases overnight, over 4,000. In Florida. In Florida. Going like, great. With, I mean, so, again, so I, you kind of have to look at the NHL and go, well, at least they're sort of using their time correctly here to figure it out. Sure. I mean, I, I think it's really cool that they still think this is going to happen. I mean, what what have I been saying for weeks? Told you, Croker. I said to Croker, when JD comes in, you watch. He's going to say, it doesn't matter. They're not going to play anyway. They're not. And, and you have been saying it for weeks. Yeah. And uh, look, we're not even at, like, one of the, the, the key, like, fulcrums of this, this push, right? Like, we are not even at a point yet where these teams have gathered into a single community. <laughs> and Austin Matthews, allegedly... Uh, I know the Toronto Maple Leafs are none too thrilled with that report. Um, See, I don't know why. Like, I, I think you should just be transparent about it. Just just say, yeah, yeah, this guy's got it. This guy, like, the the point, I mean, maybe then people are going to shame them or something like that. I, I get they're trying to protect the player. But at the same time, my concern isn't necessarily these young, healthy players to a certain degree. Because I do, from what we've understood, that, you know, you generally can get through this. I'm worried about who they've been in contact with, who they've been around. Maybe somebody who is not so, uh, you know, if they got COVID-19 would not be able to, you know, rebound like, say, a healthy person like Austin Matthews. But also there is out there that we don't necessarily know what the long-term effects of this are either. Exactly. And that's something I wanted to talk about because how much of a risk is the NHL willing to incur? I mean, let's say one of these players, they don't have fantastic respiratory health to begin with perhaps somebody with asthma we've seen athletes play yep. through that before diabetes diabetes yeah well what if they test positive for covid and they suffer some of the symptoms which result in lung scarring yeah exactly that that could be their career i don't know yeah. i'm not a doctor obviously but let me put it this way i don't think i need to be a doctor to know that scarring on the lungs isn't a particularly yeah. uh you know positive attribute especially for 
I mean, uh, maybe, if you're, cardio, maybe if you're a golfer. Yeah. Like, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, golf's not a sport. Oh, um, come on. Oh, come on. It's not. Trust me. It's a game. Trust me. It takes physical ac- activity. It's, it's, yeah, there's. Yeah, no, it's a game. Okay. <laughs> you know what a game is? A game. Oh, okay. I'm not even getting We're not having this conversation right now. Hit the whistle. God. So annoying sometimes. I don't know who, like, who's on the annoying meter? Who, who's more? JD or, or Sakaris? What do you expect me to answer that? No, I'm Try not. JD carefully. sitting here. I'm just putting Sakaris, it out there. Maybe, I'll, maybe, I'll, maybe, no. I'll, maybe I'll do a poll. Yeah, Sakaris he's probably is, listening right Sakaris now. Sakaris is like Saruman. He's got his his the the crab line of of Dunling, the the crow the the crows that gather around like spies. Yeah, that's I would not cross that man either. I mean, you're talking about somebody who's going to get the Order of Canada for his reporting. Um. <laughs> two two replies just came in. Sakaris hands down. Sakaris by a mile. Okay, we we answered that. Hey, uh, um, we're gonna talk to Thomas Drance about this. Oh, we got another one here. JD is an idiot because he doesn't understand the idea of protecting innocent people from false allegations. You can't assume all allegations are true from the outset. Let the investigation play out before you get on your soapbox. Sam, a fellow leftist who is embarrassed by JD's myopia. Uh, you know what? Uh, that that's that's who you're concerned about right now, protecting people from false allegations. Okay, cool. I'm glad that people have their priorities in order here. It's not like we're talking about 15 to 20 year olds being abused by an institution that is supposed to foster their development as yeah. people and athletes. I mean, hey, I played in the junior hockey ranks. I could have been subjected to it. I wasn't. But I, I mean, who knows? I could have been. Give right? me if, a on the break. If I got put on the wrong team, maybe. I'm not you know? an idiot. You're a coward because you're afraid to speak truth to power. You're a coward because you are afraid to question the institutions by which you set your view of what it means to be Canadian. Get out of here. You see this one that just came in? JD yeah. just speaks the truth. Sakaris speaks everything. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd love that. I knew you would love that. Uh, amazing. Okay, hold on. Let's pivot then, okay? Well, okay I don't want what? it just to be all negative here today. I do. I, I, get, I, I live that life. Thank, okay. I know what you do, but I just did two hours of radio, okay? Like, you're coming in hot here. Like, just pump the brakes a little bit. I'm coming in hot every week. You still got an hour and a half to go, plus your favorite uh, Vancouver media member is coming up next. Dolly World. No, that's not till the second hour. It's Thomas Drance next. Okay. Okay, so I want to talk to Drancer about this, but I will talk to you about it first. Yeah. The NHL.com. 16, top 16 centers in the play-in round as you roll your eyes, uh, qualifying round. Patterson doesn't, he's not in the top 16. Hockey media sucks. <laughs> Hockey media absolutely sucks. A bunch of obsequious little cretins picking up their thoughts from the people that they cover. Like, think for yourself. Maybe read a metric or two. You know, maybe look into it. Do a but little. JD, like, it's a popularity contest there. Who it freaking... shouldn't be. Yeah, but who cares? Like, honestly, why do we get upset about something? I'll tell you why. I've also I get a- seen the D- Jacob Markstrom got a snub on some list or whatever. We, like, as Vancouver, I'm, as, I'm as an NFL fans, no. you don't need, the, you don't need the, the people to tell you how good they are. You already know. I'm an NFL fan, okay? So I have a sport with which to compare hockey coverage to. Hockey writers are cowards. They're afraid to give opinions. They're afraid to question power. They're obsequious as a default. NFL writers will absolutely 
roast the teams they cover. You will find more negative coverage on NFL. Oh, I'm not going to disagree with that. On NFL.com than you will yeah, on most beat reporters. Yeah, but this was this reporters. was just a uh, this was just a list that they put together. Some people are upset you that Jonathan Taves was ahead of them. Jonathan Taves has got how many Stanley Cups? Yeah, gold but medal. he's not as yeah, good as Elise Pettersson now. But the he's cri- not even close. If guy can finish, the criteria was the entire resume. It wasn't just condensed to this season. And by the way, if Elias Pettersson continues to do the things that he's doing, he will have. Have, at least statistically, a better career than Jonathan Taves. Now, I can't guarantee Stanley Cups. As you know, those are the hardest thing in, in sport to win. Gold medals, eh, I hope he doesn't win one because he's from Sweden. But that being said, Elias Pettersson, we don't need people to, to tell us how good he is. We know, and his trajectory right now is rafter, his number in the rafters and the Hockey Hall of Fame if he continues to do what he's doing. Okay, mm-hmm. so who cares about this list? It's and maybe content. it's a lot. Yeah, that's what we're supposed to do, I know, Andrew. But that's what I just want to push back on it. That's all. That's what we're supposed when people, to do. I get that, but when people get upset about it, it's a whole lot of, to do about nothing. I mean, yes, but then like that's that's what you're going for, man. Like we just put out a draft ranking, and you got people coming at me. It's like, yeah, that's there's a guy that's really coming at you. Don't worry, we don't want to get into it all that much. Uh, but JD is definitely Omar. I like that. Yeah, you're I damn know, right. I know you Omar. love that. I got uh, my proprieties. JD is far more annoying than Sakaris. JD suffers from Mike Gillis syndrome. Uh, so does Sakaris there, Texter. <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm going to tell you that right now, that uh, he defends Mike as well. And honestly, I defend Mike too. I think Mike did a brilliant job here. I think he deserves to be back in the NHL. And not only that, full disclosure, he's a heck of a guy. Wow, I just looked at the clock. It is 126. I know. You, you just, like, we wound you right up here and. Boom! Well, I got somebody calling me an idiot in yeah, the inbox. Yeah, well, that's another day that ends in Y. Eh, coward. Right. Okay, on the other side, uh, your favorite, my favorite, the Tiny Drancers coming up next. Thomas Drance from The Athletic in Vancouver will pose everything we just talked about, including who's more annoying, JD or Sakaris, to Drancer. This is Rinkwide. It's the show that always scores on TSN 1040. You're listening to Rink Wide on TSN 1040. Here's J.D. Burke and Andrew White. I'm a bad boy. It'll be interesting to see whether they can continue to have that sex, that success without Judge Brackett going forward. Uh, can you play that one more time there, Croker, please? <laughs> did, did I hear? It'll be interesting to see whether they can continue to have that sex, that success without Judge Brackett going forward. Yeah, okay. Continue to have that sex. <laughs> uh, add that to the drops, please. Thank you. Yeah, uh, that was uh, JD Burke from what yesterday? That was yesterday. They still put you on on Fridays, eh? They still do. Huh. Uh, actually, I'm one of the most listened to contributors at TSN 1040. In your own mind, yeah, sure. Oh, really? I've... You know who's number one though? You know whose hits always make it to the top? Would you say that he always scores? Well, sort of. But he's with us right now, Thomas Trance, on the phone line from The Athletic in Vancouver. Give me that demonic child laugh of yours. We, we, <laughs> we played the clip, Trance. <laughs> there it is. Hey, so I called yeah. Drancer this morning to ask him a question yeah, about compliance yeah. buyouts, and he brought out the Crevassier. He started the music. like He yeah. was like, he thought I was trying to wine and dine him by talking about his favorite subject, and that's, you know, compliance <laughs> buyouts. <laughs> Wait, I thought his favorite subject was Canucks coaching. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that's second. That's second. We talked about Travis Gentlemen. Green afterwards. Yeah. Gentlemen, yeah. we all know my favorite topic is JD's status is absolute must listen to. 
TSN 1040 radio. JD, you know I'm always listening because I always text you afterwards angrily. So, well, um, <laughs> hey, yeah. listen, Drancer, I don't know if you heard that first segment, but he came in like, wow, it was like a fireball went through oh, the man. studio here. He's he's battling the inbox already. He's got people. Good he's been fun. called an idiot twice and a twit once, and that's oh, just damn. 20, 25 minutes into the show. So. Yeah, it's weird that, because that I sounds- actually... I ran the phone number through my phone, and the first thing that came up was Thomas Grants, the Athletic Vancouver. You've got some explaining to do, bud. All right, let's go. Uh, okay. What's going on? Okay, Drancer, so let's start with something a little bit light. Uh, that whole NHL.com poll with uh, Patterson getting the snub and whatnot, like, to me, I'm just like, who freaking cares? We already know how good the kid is. We don't need some poll to prove it to us. If the way the kid keeps going, the way he's tracking, he's going to be up in the rafters at one point here in Vancouver. He's going to be a Hockey Hall of Famer. Why do we care about lists like this? So I ask you, do you even care? Not, not actually, but in terms of, you know, a good barroom-style argument, like a Zoom bar night <laughs> argument in these, this day and age, uh, you know, I think it's quality. Like, there's not a lot to talk about, so giving us some odd things to debate on the subject of, you know, <laughs> basically arbitrary uh, rankings by a smart pool of NHL.com writers who, you know, I, I joked that they were the Rodney Dangerfield of Canucks polls when we had... Uh, we had Dan, Dan Rosen on the program yesterday. Dan Rosen, of course, a senior writer at NHL.com. We just said, you know, these polls are designed to give the Canucks no respect. And, you know, if people who talk about hockey in this market, thank you. Like, just thank you. Uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, I'm picking up what you're putting down there, but I just, I just feel like we already know exactly what this kid's going to be. And, and listen, they put that list out two years from now. No surprise that he's in the top five uh, whatsoever. We're talking to Thomas Drance from The Athletic in Vancouver. Hey, Tom, I I read your article this week, and you were looking at NHL comparables for players that had recently graduated, and one of Mm -hmm. the things I noticed was that you didn't draw a straight connection from Scotty Bowman to... No, I'm kidding. Uh, One of the things that really stuck out was your analysis of Thatcher Demko, and the way Mm -hmm. that he can go one way or the other, uh, he's really kind of in that, that point in his career where, you know, we know that he's established himself as a NHL caliber backup, And what happens in the next two, three years going forward, if I read your analysis correctly, will determine whether he is a Peter Budai type or or a legitimate NHL starter with a durable track record. Could you maybe elaborate on that part of the comparison? Yeah, I think the idea of the comps as we put them together is not to just do stylistic comps or, you know, pick guys who are roughly the same height and also from Massachusetts and just sort of drop that comp in there. We're just trying to sort of you know, and this is why we pick a high and a low end comp, sort of give fans a more visceral sense of what the probabilities that we sometimes talk about, but in vaguer terms, kind of look like with higher name, higher profile NHL players that, you know, the average hockey fan will, you know, at least have some passing familiarity with. So for a guy with Demko's sort of profile, which is a relatively young player who's succeeded at every level and has now cracked the NHL full time, and played regularly, like fairly regularly, he would have hit 20-plus in his sort of first full season as an NHL backup easily this year. You know, when you think about a guy with that kind of profile, we can feel pretty confident at this point saying Thatcher Demko is going to have a lengthy NHL career. Whether or not that career results in him being a starter at some point, or, you know, just a guy who sort of floats around and holds down a starter's workload a few seasons, but, you know, isn't 
uh, among the you know even sort of class of marginally below average goaltenders like that's still impossible to say based on the statistical track record and we all know that goaltending is hard for analysts to break down for a variety of reasons it's sort of an area of hockey analytics that I'd argue we don't understand as well to some extent as some of the other sort of, you know, certainly as well as as forwards and arguably defensemen too. So, you know, I think with Demko, the the guys who seem to know the position best, uh, certainly the Canucks see enough in his makeup, his work ethic, uh, that they sort of believe that he can push himself toward the upper range of his probable outcomes. But, there's a lot to sort of be seen. And, and as analysts, like if we had a good sense beyond what we sort of do with the wide range that we laid out, like we'd either be lying to you or the information would be so valuable <laughs> that we'd probably not publish it even behind a paywall. Right. Right. Um, I mean, so, is he a butterfly goalie and is he athletic? What do you think, Grants? Can you give us a read on Thatcher? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That I can tell you like, yes. <laughs> Uh, Drancer, just going through your comparables there, and a pretty interesting mm-hmm. one, and the one that I like a lot. I, I push back a bit when you say like a left-handed Drew Doughty because Drew Doughty's just not left-handed, and I get what you're going with that one with uh, when it comes to Quinn Hughes, sure. and that's your high-end comparable. But I really like your 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 low-end comparable in Brian Campbell. Now, don't get me wrong; I think Quinn Hughes is going to be a better player than Brian Campbell, but I think Brian Campbell was one heck of a player that I think a lot of people kind of forget nowadays was just an offensive dynamo. And if Quinn Hughes sort of is anywhere in between those two, I mean. He's going to have one hell of a career. Yeah, no question. And, you know, Brian Campbell for me was probably a top 10 NHL defenseman, certainly a top five puck moving NHL defenseman for about a 10 year period from 2006 to 2016. You know, he was top five in Norris balloting, for example, five times. So, or sorry, three times during that stretch. So, you know, what's interesting though is I think there's a lot of stylistic comparables and impact comparables too. Brian Campbell was a guy who dominated the puck to such an extent that he effectively bent <laughs> the will of the game uh, to suit you know, his impact. Quinn Hughes did something similar at 20, but the big difference is Brian Campbell wasn't even an everyday NHL player until about 24. He, he wasn't playing top four minutes until he was 26, and he wasn't really a top-of-the-lineup quality defenseman until 28. And Quinn Hughes has already sort of surpassed Brian Campbell's best seasons and the absolute maximum of his output as a 20-year-old in the NHL. I mean, that's insane, right? And that's sort of why we picked him as a low-end comparable. But, yeah, when you have a player do what Quinn Hughes did at his height, at his age, you know, it's we're basically talking about an unprecedented accomplishment in modern NHL history. And so, you know, the range of probabilities for Quinn Hughes, they're, they're hard to even figure out uh, because he's essentially in completely uncharted territory already with how well he's performed. I know our buddy uh, Comets Corey is going to like this one, but Zach McEwen, uh, I thought this was quite interesting. His high-end comparable to a, a Troy Brower. And listen, if you're the Vancouver Canucks, low-end comparable would be uh, Drew Miller. But, I mean, these are both guys that, you know, they're NHL players. And I know a lot of people are, you know, questioning whether Zach McEwen will be an everyday NHL or for the Vancouver Canucks. But to see you put together those comparables like that, that tells me, hey, people should be excited about the future of Zach McEwen. Drew Miller, yeah, that's a you know, cut. I was, I was honestly pretty surprised. I think one of my big takeaways, honestly, from this exercise was that players with a McEwen-like track record, you know, at height, age, etc., uh, more often than not end up carving out credible 
plus NHL game careers. And so, you know, for a guy who was undrafted, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, he wasn't even in the uh, major junior in his first time draft eligible season to come to that to where he is now as an 18 year old, just five years later, where, you know, probabilistically you're more likely to play multiple full seasons in the show than not, you know, that speaks to a pretty tremendous, like a quantum leap level of player development from McEwen. Now, you know, the Brower thing, that's pretty high. Brower was a bona fide middle six forward and power play net front guy, you know, who just feasted on second units throughout his career with Chicago, uh, Washington, and St. Louis. But, you know, there's at least an outside probability uh, based on how McEwen tracked this year that, you know, he could get to that level and, you know, maybe not that Brower level, but to the level of a player who's more than just a fourth line contributor. That's not something that I've ever really considered for McEwen, but he wasn't sort of the only guy with, uh, you know, a fossil record of performance like he had as a 23-year-old that broke through and, and actually cemented themselves as a top not, top nine contributor at the NHL level, which you know was a was a pretty significant surprise to me, and something that'll probably change a little bit how I evaluate McEwen going forward. We wanted to ask you too about the Hub City uh, developments this this week. I mean, certainly yeah. things are they're going great in the United States. I mean, who could have predicted <laughs> that this plan was going to immediately fall flat on its face? Anyway. Right. You reported today that Vegas had a record number of cases overnight, over 400. Now, Vegas is still in the running to be a hub city. Um, yeah. It was reported at one point that it had already kind of achieved that status, but not quite. Vancouver, <laughs> though, is apparently right there uh, at, at the top of the leaderboard for the NHL with regards to places where they might take this. And there has even been yeah. some discussion that we're going to be looking at both of the hub cities being in Canada. Do you have any commentary on that? I mean, I know that you're really oh, on top of this. I've got, so. a, I've got a ton of commentary on that. Take, let me let Take me the ball and run with it. Well, let me start with an analogy that I was trying to think of this morning, and we'll see if it lands or not. But the way I sort of look at this overall in terms of selecting a hub city is to consider the plague, like consider the pandemic or the outbreak, to be like a flood, right? And in setting up your bubble, we've seen, for example, the Bundesliga. You know, they've been able to maintain competitive soccer over the course of a month now um, with, you know, issues, logistical problems, but no significant outbreaks impacting the top level of their competition. Uh, we've seen the same with the KBO in South Korea. And if you think about the plague in local conditions as like flooding, right? South Korea and Germany, because of the way they've contained the virus overall through contact tracing, testing apparatus, and just overall public responsibility in terms of individual day-to-day choices from masks to physical distancing, smart physical distancing practice, that's like high ground, right? What we've seen in the United States is quite the opposite. That's like setting up in flood-prone conditions uh, your bubble on the beach, right? Like it's, not, it's just not how it works. And I remember early on in this process, my colleagues at The Athletic, Joe Smith and Mike Russo, put together sort of a ranking of teams that they thought were front runners for the bubble team scenario. And at the time, Vancouver wasn't really high on the top of the list, but I sort of helped them in that article run down sort of the underlying fundamentals that the league was looking at. And Vancouver just had them all. Like Vancouver had five sheets within an hour drive of Rogers Arena that could potentially be used to host various team practices, right? Vancouver had a controlled sort of, COVID situation locally, especially relative to, you know, what you're seeing in most of the other NHL markets aside from Edmonton, you know, Pittsburgh, Chicago, Columbus, but a short list. 
you know, and then we also had the hotel capacity and the experience putting on a variety of really high level multi-team hockey tournaments, including the men's and women's Olympics in 2010. And of course the world junior tournament a couple of years back. So, you know, I sort of wrote to them and I said, look, based on the criteria you've outlined, like I wouldn't be shocked if Vancouver emerges as a contender. And at the time, you know, the sort of word to the wise was Edmonton and Vegas. And, uh, you know, it's been interesting to me to watch as it's changed because the NHL made a very different and distinct decision from the one that the NBA and the MLS made in terms of leaving their options open, presenting a short list of possible hub cities, as opposed to focusing in on Florida, for example, and which the NBA did, and which is now at risk, you know, as uh, I'm sure your listeners are aware, having heard the update prior to this segment. So, you know, we're sort of looking at this situation where it certainly seems as if Western candidates make more sense, especially as, you know, the NHL gets down to brass tacks and it becomes a lot less about do we have hotels booked and a lot more about how confident are we based on the outbreak on the ground that we can execute a multi-month tournament safely uh, in this environment. And for that reason, especially now that the federal government has figured out a way to relax uh, the quarantine law and the impact that will have on professional athletes, you know, now that we're at that point, I mean, I, I don't know sort of the Vancouver's a front runner at this point. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's reports out there from Sadier Show today that that's gaining steam. I think that's been gaining, gaining steam for about 10 days here. Uh, the Pacs were among the teams that resubmitted details for their bid, which would suggest to me that, you know, along with Edmonton, along with Vegas, they're on a very short list here. And we'll sort of see what comes out of it in the coming days. But, you know, once that occurs, then I think there's a variety of difficult questions that will have to be asked. Uh, it, should the NHL move to this city, uh, move to this sort of, you know, coastal health uh, region, especially vis-a-vis reporting, especially vis-a-vis transparency, um, and how sort of outbreaks will be handled, and how the return-to-play scenario can be executed locally, you know, with within these sort of crucial criteria that our public health and the public health of the citizens of Vancouver and, and British Columbia, you know, is still the priority um, locally. Well, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens here, uh, Drancer, in terms of the hub cities and we, with the numbers that we're seeing. I know that you retweeted the uh, the Vegas numbers that JD uh, mentioned there as well. But like, mm-hmm. look, look at look at what's happening in Florida right now. Over four thousand cases reported as well. Uh, I mean, new cases that is. I mean, the NA, yeah. or the NBA is going there. The MLS is going there. I mean, again, the players still need to agree to do this, right? And when we see positive yeah. cases, you know what we don't know about the virus. I just, I just, I wonder. And I know JD's been on this, but <laughs> yeah. I just wonder if it's, it's even, all fake. If it's even going to happen, but it's uh, not. No, I, I. It's it's a perfectly reasonable concern, and I, yeah. I don't think one that's you know, unique, uh, to be totally honest with you, in in hockey circles and hockey media circles at the moment, there's a lot of skepticism, uh, especially when you consider, you know, and one thing, the Hub City's decision, the the league said they'd know in two to three weeks, and that's obviously been put off. And again, I I mean, I think they're wise to use all the time they have uh, to make this decision ultimately. But when you think about all everything else that the league is working on and all the deadlines underpinning this, which include you know, the end of the league year after it's written into all player contracts on June 30th, you know, that's a pretty hard deadline here for them to figure out an awful lot of things, which include, you know, a CBA extension potentially and, yeah. 
you know, escrow for the 2020-21 season and yeah. a flat cap and, you know, essentially agreeing on how they can cooperate to salvage, you know, a business that's been completely shook and shuttered for the last five months and is probably looking at, you know, a year, a multi-year horizon before returning to the point where gate revenues yeah. get back to what they'd anticipated. Uh, so, you know, it's going to be fascinating to see how this plays out, but I wouldn't be shocked to see it all kind of rolled together. Like, this is a big pressure point on a variety of different levels for the league and for the players. There's a lot to work out, and then even once you've worked that out, the logistics side of it, actually getting through the tournament, you know, playing a sport like hockey in a pandemic, I mean, this is going to test the greatest administrative minds the NHL has, and we'll kind of see where it lands. Yeah, a lot of bright minds in the NHL too. So, well, we had <laughs> we had we, we we had one of the brightest minds here in Vancouver with us for the last fifteen minutes or so. And we appreciate I've been here you since one, dude. taking the time there, Thomas. So that's hey, Tom. Uh, Tom for you, gentlemen. We'll see you next week. Hey, eh? you're hosting on uh, PM yeah, Drive Show. The, yeah, hosting for Sakaris. So. Yep. You know, I'll, uh, I'll be reading my thesaurus the night before, making sure I bring the $10 words. That a uh, But thanks, gentlemen. All right. That's Thomas Cheers. Trance from The Athletic in Vancouver. Uh, let's unpack that on the other, other side because we're up against it here. Uh, a few things I want to get at. Uh, that Drancer was talking about there. This is the Rink Wide. It's a uh, show that always scores right here on TSN 1040. <laughs> Listening to Rink Wide on TSN 1040. Here's Jamie Burke and Andrew Watt. Welcome back to Rink Wide. It's a show that always scores. Uh, the clock is not good. We didn't do a good job of that. But Thomas Trance had a great hit with us there. Lots of information. Lots to chew on. I mean, Trev say. only listens to our worst episodes, so I think we're good. We don't have I've, bad episodes. What are you talking about? Well, you might be bad. I'm always is good. relative, Andrew. I suppose, Andrew. Um, <laughs> I get like <laughs> post-traumatic syndrome when I hear that. I heard him say it once, like Andrew. You know why? We have oh, to do and I was just like, okay, I love this so much. It's perfect. Hey, I, I got a week off. Like another one coming here. It's oh yeah, yeah, and I got a week off too. <sighs> yes, you do. You certainly do. Um, what Transfer was talking about there, uh, the hub cities and Vancouver. Apparently, some some good reporting coming out today. As well, that, uh, but I mean, it just makes sense. It just makes sense. Like, if they're going to try and get it, to, I don't to happen, want hockey to come here, man. I know. I was saying the same thing. I like. I, do I want to? I was of, of the opinion as I just didn't care. Like, like I was like, whatever. It doesn't do anything for us. There is the concern of of bringing people in, but at the same time, listen, it's a bubble. You got to trust the bubble. I mean, no, I don't. But here's the thing: Have you seen the movie Midsummer? No. Okay, it's a it's a film. Jason, have you seen Midsummer? I haven't, but I know. I you're nodding along because I know the movie. Okay, okay, I know it. I'll get the point. Well, we have some people in the audience, I'm sure, who are at least moderately. There's one guy asking us why we aren't talking about the uh, Belmont race, but this is a hockey, this is a hockey show, Ron. Um, so in Midsummer, right? They have this this group of tourists from outside of the community come to this kind of like Swedish equivalent of an Amish village, right? It's kind of like a horror suspense film. Okay. Stick with me. Okay. It is revealed early in the film that as a part of their retirement ceremony, like at past a certain age, rather than having the people in this community retire, they jump off a cliff. So all their oldest people in this community jump off a cliff, and if they survive, you know, bam. And, and anyway... Nice. That, that is what Sweden is doing with their COVID 
defense plan. They are shoving the old people in their country off a cliff. They haven't closed down anything. And we're going to have them coming to this bubble, and you're supposed to tell me that this disease vector of a country is, is going yeah. to bring us people from that community? But that's the whole point of the quarantine, though. But the NHL doesn't want to cooperate with that quarantine. And, and that being said, too, because Drancer did talk about, well, you know, they've got you know, two to three weeks to kind of figure it out. Well, no, they've got three weeks to figure it out because training camp is supposed to open July 10th. Yeah, I mean, they'll probably have quit by then. But, like, in theory, it's supposed to open up by then. <laughs> I mean, how many more stars get infected before they start to rethink this? I, again, I, I just it, to me, it doesn't matter if you're a star or not. You know, it I matters think, I think, to the I think, league. I think we should be concerned about it for everybody. Totally. I think that the biggest concern here is probably the health of their staffers who often trend on the older side of the equation, a.k.a. Yeah. the people that are going to be most at risk. But if you're the league... I think your concern is about the Austin Matthews of the world. Uh, we'll continue to debate the Hub uh, City talk as we go out uh, through the next hour of the show. Coming up next, though, uh, or in the next hour, uh, Rick Dollywall is going to join us, TSN 1040 contributor of The Athletic as well. And Craig J. Button, TSN's director of scouting, is going to join us at the bottom of the hour. Keep it locked. It's rink-wide. It's the show that always scores right here on TSN 1040. I guess right now we should start the show. Now, more of Rick Wide on TSN 1040. Here's J.D. Burke and Andrew Watton. Welcome back to Rink Wide. It's a show that always scores. Andrew Watton alongside J.D. Burke. One hour's in the books. If you missed any of it, we'll have the podcast up at the end of the show. You can get the podcast wherever you find your podcast. And while you're there, J.D., what should they do? Rate the show, review the show, yeah. and... Send me a little bit of uh, fan mail because I've been getting a lot today. Yeah, I had somebody call me a communist, yep. uh, which is cool and good. And mm. I've had another person call me an idiot, which is yep. also cool that was and me. good. Oh wait, sorry. Uh, a twit also cool and good. Yeah, if you can you drop don't hear twit a lot nowadays, but okay. no. But if you're gonna drop a unique insult on somebody, make it land with a unique individual. And if nothing else, I will own that. Yeah. I am a unique individual. I, I think Ron in the inbox is probably going to rate and review us. Might not get a, a five-star. Well, it, it can't be any worse than the one person who reviewed the show and it gave us one star and just wrote J.D. Burke as a creep. I think that was signed by Isha Jerome or something, too. So um, I, I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, yeah, uh, guaranteed that the Dolly Wall is going to say Tandem's a 10-year vet. No way he signed short-term mention of Trampkin is waiting for two hours. Yeah, 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 we know, we know. Tr- Dolly Wall's know, we, coming we, up. We, we've got Dolly Wall from Newport Sports joining the program. <laughs> uh, we appreciate you guys, though, um, texting in 104040, live at tsn1040.ca if you want to send an email in as well. Um I gotta say, Andrew, there's yeah. something funny about okay. the fact that, like, I come in like a, a hurricane whenever I am on TSN 1040, right? Like, I, I enter every interview by insulting my hosts. I go to great lengths to patronize Sakaris every Saturday. And somehow the only person who is ever surprised by this behavior is the person that I work with the most at 1040. Me. Yeah, you're the yeah one because who- I'm the one that has to wear it. Like People say to me, they're like, what's with that JD guy? Why yeah. do you like him? I'm like, I don't like him. I just have to do a show with him. Oh, that's, that's not true. That's not true. <laughs> Halford and Bruff have to wear it more than anybody. Like Bruff's not even old, and all I do is call him old when I join their show. Like, Come on, you get it pretty good, man. All right, all right. Uh, enough about us. Um, 
Rick Dollywall is going to join us in just a moment. Yeah, he'll probably talk about Tanov. Good chance he's going to bring up Triampkin, but I think I don't want to uh, hear it. I know you don't. I don't. We're going to talk it. Hub Cities with Rick. We're also going to talk uh, Reed Boucher. Yeah, who's a professional hockey player, from what I understand. You know, Triampkin elevated height, Boucher elevated width. I mean, we're going in the opposite yeah. direction here. <laughs> uh, Reed Boucher uh, signing in Russia. Sounds like he's not. I mean, we'll talk to Dolly Wall about it because he'll give us some insight on it. But it sounds like he will not be a black ace for the Canucks because, well, he's signing in, in Russia, right? Although mm-hmm. he's, I guess, still technically under contract. <laughs> Kroger, I don't know if that did, was... Did, did, did people pick that up? Croker's like Kroker yell, or yelling was that at Dol- Dolly Wall. That might have been Dolly World through the phone, <laughs> if I know Dolly World. Um, the side birds of the business. I, one thing about Rick, Dol- or, uh, Rick Dolly, about Reed Boucher, though, is that, like, Boy, did we make a lot of an, an of, of an AHL player in this market. Like, do you know why though? Because y- you tell because me. Jason Magna was playing with the Sedines. Yeah, that's true. What the hell else are we going to talk about? It's like all these bad faith actors on Twitter who are like, "Oh, well, I thought Nikolai Goldobin was a top six forward." That was never the debate. It was to give him a damn chance. Yeah. It was that I wanted to see Goldobin instead of like, oh, I don't know, Tim Schaller. I hope Drance isn't tuned in anymore. You know, like. Yeah, way what was miss- with the Schaller love by Drance? That way was to weird. completely miss the point. Yeah. You know? All right, let's, Ricky's on the phone. Let's bring him in the conversation. How you doing, Ricky? We are, are we still talking about 77? <laughs> well, he, he brought is. A, He is, not me. I'm, he brought him up. No, on. I'm good. He hey, hey whoa, whoa, whoa. You've been talking about 88 for like six months straight here, Dolly World. Yeah, okay, hold on. Hold, hold on, hold on. There's a new 88, been- though, now. There's- no, no. Oh, but yeah, but that's right. No, no, I have not been talking about 88 for that long because you only got, the season only ended four, five, six weeks ago. But anyways, <laughs> uh, let, the, let the Goldie talk go. He's gone. It's over. Kaput. Okay, well, uh, he's, he's in Russia. So is Reed Boucher. Apparently, you got some news on him. Well, obviously, he's, he's going to sign that one-year deal. But just ask me, Andrew. I want, I, want, I want you to set it up. Ask me how much Reed Boucher is going to make. Okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, take one. Uh, Rick, how much is Reed Boucher going to make? 50 million rubles. How much is that? in? Yeah, yeah. What's the translation factor there? (laughs) Now, here's the great part of this. I'm going to give you the translation and the numbers. I was going to do this with Moj, but you know Moj never got that in grade 12. So I'm going to do it with you guys. 50 million rubles is 980 Canadian, 719 USA. Okay? So he made 450 in Utica, so he's getting – he almost doubled – his Utica salary. He also has a bonus of 10 million rubles if he finishes in the top three scoring. And wow. that translates huh. to 196 Canadian, 143 USA. So there. So good good little payday for him to go overseas. And I mean, it's a better league anyway. It's probably going to be better for Reed Boucher because, like, let's be honest, we're not going to see him in the NHL ever again. Well, you're not going to see him in Vancouver. You know, look, in the NHL, you get a certain amount of opportunities. You don't get 500 chances. You don't get 600. Because every year these teams draft seven guys, seven new guys, and then there's free agency, trades, waivers. It, and you don't get 100 chances. Mm-hmm. And he had his opportunities. He's a good player. He's a good character guy. Um, it's just going to – I think this is a good move for him to go to Russia for a year, check it out. His agent did a good job, got him a good deal. Um, and, you know, it's a good opportunity for him. And give the Canucks credit. They gave him permission to get out of his contract to do the deal in Russia. So it's, it's a win-win for both sides. Um, but every year these guys, you know, and now there's a new shiny toy in the organization every year. Now we got Hoglander and Pod Colson, the new shiny toys. 
you know what, you quickly forget about, you know, those uh, prospects three, four, five years ago. So, yeah. no, it's a good deal for him, guys, and uh, I think he'll do fine in Russia. Um, hub cities. We've been batting it around all, all day here. Uh, I'm of the opinion that it, like, I wouldn't be surprised if both hub cities are in Canada just because of what you're seeing with the COVID-19 uh, in, in the United States right now. Also hearing Rob Fay uh, telling me as well that uh, from his sources in Vegas that uh, it's about 50-50 now whether Vegas is going to be a part of it because of what's happening with the numbers down there. What are you hearing, fine sir? Okay, so, and I did hear a Vegas about a week ago. It wasn't 100% done. Yeah. Um, I'm hearing that combination of Vancouver and Toronto could still get in. A lot of variables, a lot of moving parts. You hear something. I have never been uh, covering this league and has seen so much uncertainty as, as we are right now. The world's been flipped upside down because of this virus. Every day, every hour, there's a new rumor. I heard this morning, Vancouver didn't gain steam this morning to be a hub city. They've always been a strong, strong candidate from day one. I tried to tell a source a week ago that Vancouver's out, and he said, buddy, you're out to lunch. Vancouver's very much in the in the mix a week ago. And you can thank Dr. Bonnie Henry and the leadership uh, and, and, and the way they have dealt with this. It, it makes Vancouver look good internationally, everywhere. And Vancouver's got a good reputation to begin with, and now the numbers are low. It's low another uh, thing I want you guys to think about. So I've, I've been hearing through, you know, players, oh, what do we do in a hub city? Well, after we play, well, I just want to go sit in my hotel and I'm not going to play video games for 12 hours. Well, Vancouver offers you up an opportunity for a player to play your game, go to Stanley Park, go for a walk, go, you know, there's a lot of things to do. These players don't want to just be robots, go play your game and then go sit in a hotel room you know, for 12 hours and then wait for your next game the following day. You want some resemblance of a of normal life, you know. These guys want some downtime to themselves. And Vancouver makes a lot of sense with downtime. It's a beautiful city. It appeals to many players. A lot of these factors go into play. But I'm going to ask both of you a question now. Mm-hmm. If it is Vancouver and Vegas, which I, I heard this morning, Vegas might, might be in top. You never know. Where do the Canucks in Vegas play? If you have two Western cities, we were told the Canucks can't play. I'm sure Travis Green would love to play in Vancouver if it's a hub city. I don't know if that's going to happen. If it's Vancouver and Toronto, I don't think Travis Green has an issue going to Toronto. But if it's two Western cities, can the Canucks are the Canucks going to be allowed to play in Vancouver? Yeah. Well, uh, it I doesn't mean, sound like and, it. And honestly, Rick, I think that the front runners, at least from what I'm seeing, what's happening down south, I'm taking Vegas out. I think Vancouver and Edmonton might be the front runners right now. No, I haven't. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I'm just going to be straight up, Andrew. I have not heard okay. Edmonton in weeks. I keep hearing Vancouver, Toronto, mm. uh, Vegas. Uh, here's another one for you. And. And somebody threw this by me. If there's if they get going on hockey, and there's a if you have one Canadian team, one American team, and there's a second wave that hits, how are players going to get across the border? Have we solved our border issues yet? The border issue is going to be a big time problem as well. Well, Rick, it seems to me like the second wave is happening right now in the states. That's yeah. not a second wave. That's just the people getting. Uh, they opened up the economy, Andrew. And down south, and some some spots are really hot spots right now. And I don't think that's a second wave. I think they opened up the economy, and and and. But I I have border issues. I have you know where do can Vancouver can the Canucks play in Vancouver? When do these players get back uh, to Vancouver? I I I tried to uh, 
talked to a lot of agents here in the last 24, 48 hours. I, I can't get any clarity on when the Canuck players are coming back to Vancouver. None of them have heard. Like, we don't, we don't know. Like, I, I don't think the Canucks have told the players yet where, uh, when to come back to Vancouver. And I, in a perfect world, Travis Green holds his training camp in Vancouver. I don't think you want to hold your training camp. I don't care if it's in Portland. Seattle or Spokane. Yeah. Uh, right now, guys, I wouldn't want to hold the Canucks camp in Washington State right now. Would you? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. If I'm an NHL player, I wouldn't want to go down into the United States now. Mind yeah, you, but most of them are down there. Anyway. I know that's yeah. the, that's that is the thing. Uh, we're talking to Rick Dollywall, TSN 1040 contributor, also from the Athletic in Vancouver. Rick, are you hearing anything on on contractual movement? Because I think this is a point that Drance made, and it's probably the only good one he's made in months about. How many contracts are being signed right now throughout the league and the lack of movement, right? I think we've had two standard player deals that are of the one-way variety in the last two and a half months. Are you hearing anything about the stasis uh, that the league seems to collectively find themselves in? Is there going to be any movement uh, from that in the coming weeks? Like, Are there any pressure points in which we can see the league have to respond according to a certain date and start doing business as if... I don't know, things were, were back to normal again? Because they're certainly trying to get to that point on the actual on-ice side. Yeah, that's a, it's a great question, uh, J.D. And all I can tell you is from the Canucks' perspective, they have told all their agents of the UFAs and the RFAs that we can't do anything until we know our uh, salary cap for next year. Like, and I hate to keep bringing it up, and then I get hammered for bringing the ADH name up, but ADH sitting there, okay? The Canucks have told his agent... Um, Triampkin I'm talking about, they, they told his agent, we, we can't do a deal until we know what the salary cap is. They have, and essentially the same thing applies uh, to, to Foley, Tanev, and, and, and Markstrom. And, and, you know, Jack Rathbone sitting there, but I, Jack Rathbone isn't a money issue. Jack Rathbone is, has not made up, uh, is, not, has not made up his mind because of the uncertainty of the American Hockey League. But JD, as soon as the Canucks find out the salary cap number, then you're going to see movement. But there are so many teams up against the cap right now, J.D. The Canucks aren't the only one. There's a lot of them. And you know what scares me is, um, guys, is uh, J.P. Barry uh, came, you know, super agent there, came on with me and Bob yesterday and said he doesn't think there's going to be compliance buyouts. Canucks need a compliance buyout. Yeah. They need one or two. Or three uh, or four so, or five. Or three or four or five or six or seven or eight. They need compliance buyouts to get rid of some bad contracts, J.D., and you know this, in order to sign Markstrom, Toffoli, and Tanev. And if they want, if they, if they, keep, they, they keep telling Triampkin's agent, you know, hang on, hang on. When we know the cap, we'll let you know. But until they know the cap in Vancouver, uh, J.D., you're not going to see any signings. And I wouldn't cons- – if Rathbone calls them up tomorrow and says, I want to sign, that, that's not going to be a big deal, okay? It's the one-way deals right now Jim is afraid to make, uh, and, and that includes Trampkin, uh, because that's going to cause uh, uncertainty with the cap. But when that cap number comes out, J.D., then I think you're going to see uh, Jim Benning get really busy quickly. And what about, I mean, we, we saw a slew of NCAA free agents when the pause immediately started. We saw a bunch of European free agents, and the Canucks, of course, were right down to the wire with Matthias Brome. I know there's still a handful of names out there in Sweden. I know there's still a group of NCAA players who are either at the crest of signing an NHL deal or deciding to return to the NCAA for next season. 
what about that? Because that would kind of fit within the the confines of an entry level contract framework. Yeah. Any movement there from the Canucks or across the league? Got to be honest with you, JD. Have not heard anything uh, remotely close to the Canucks monitoring an NCAA player. Uh, the only NCAA player I know that they're waiting on is Rathbone and. Uh, the Harvard source that I talked to last week, uh, he, he said it's going to take time. It's going to take, I just don't see a Rathbone decision until there's some sort of clarity with the American Hockey League. And right now we have no clarity with it. Why do you think Reed Boucher got up and left? Six weeks ago, Reed Boucher's agent told me, I'm getting a lot of offers from Europe, but we're going to stay in North America. Because at the, six weeks ago, we, we, maybe they thought that the American Hockey League would start in October, November. The fact that he got up and went to Russia tells you about the uncertainty of the American Hockey League, and it tells you why Rathbone hasn't signed yet or hasn't at least told the Canucks I'm in or out. Um, I think that uncertainty the American Hockey League is making a lot of players and a lot of agents nervous right now. I talked to, uh, before Reed Boucher signed in Russia, there was another NHL player that was talking to the same team. That guy, that guy basically didn't strike the deal and Reed Boucher got in and, and got that money in that deal. But I'm, there's a lot of guys right now thinking about Russia. They're thinking about Sweden. They're thinking about Finland. The KHL training camps, JD, start next month. Yeah, but they're also thinking about rubles, like you mentioned. Like uh, Reed Boucher is going to make $500,000 more going to Russia. Here's a guy that's you know relatively midway through his career. I mean, yeah. he might as well go for the money because at this point, the NHL is looking like it's going to be a far cry for him. So... I can see why he would sign in Russia. Uh, Ricky, appreciate you joining us as always, and uh, we'll let you get back to the cornfields there in Chilliwack. No, I knew you were going to get that. You know what? Taylor and uh, Moj, those two guys, I'll tell you, boy. And, and, and uh, Andrew, yes. in your next uh, contract with 1040, please ask for 50 million rubles. Yes, I will. I will. That's, hey, that's a lot of money. I'll take that. All right, guys. Uh, hey, that, that check will be in the mail for you as well there, uh, Dolly Wall. Thanks, buddy. Uh, he's gone. That's Rick. Just like that. Just like that. Knock Pro- him out the box, Broker, Rick. I are love you this. Gonna play, are you going to make that hot audio clip? Like, are you going to do it? And you better get the title right. I might not even. I just if Rick calls me back, I'll do it. If not, I don't even want to like go there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, power to you. I in guess. the in the inbox, knock him out the box, Rick. I love that uh, little slick Rick line there. Rick, he's always got the uh, he's always got the goods. You know what upset he- me, Andrew? I'm bringing my sideburns back. I know he's not here. I know he's not with us. Greatest sideburns of the business. Yeah, greatest sideburns of the yeah, business. Yeah, he loves JD Burke. You are kind of like. By the way, who has sideburns these days? Me. You're you're the kind of guy that Me. just like you don't adhere to any like you know trends Norms. or anything like that. Yeah, you are you are just JD Burke in the flesh, right? Well, that's why I'm the most listened to yeah. contributor on TSN 1040. Uh, in the inbox right now, Paul the Builder, tell me I'm wrong. I know it's not Saturday. Toronto is looking, or it is Saturday, that is. Tell me I'm wrong. Toronto's looking like a prime spot over most of the previously thought U.S. venues for NHL hub cities, despite their comparative COVID numbers against the rest of Canada's major cities. Sure. Yeah, Paul, you're probably right. I, I, I meant to push back on Ricky there, but I, I, I forgot about it. Uh, the bubble thing. Oh, they can just go to Stanley Park. I don't know if they Contraction can. Contraction rates are, they, are like, extremely low outside. I've heard this as well, but also also at the same time like what's the bubble then like what you know like that's an what, interesting question you know like can't like, go to a restaurant you can't go to get a but like, like you could go to a restaurant because it's in your bubble that's why you're in the bubble. like you're gonna go to a hotel right, right, that's right. Gonna have but a i restaurant. mean let's say you go to stanley park right mm. 
and you spend an entire day there, at some point you're going to want to get a drink. At some point you're going to want to get a bite sure. to eat. And as soon as you enter a confined space, the risk increases exponentially. Yeah. Anyway, it kind of seems like it's impossible to start up sports during a pandemic, you know? It's kind of <laughs> weird. <laughs> yeah, but again, the almighty dollar right now, we talked about rubles with uh, Reed Boucher. Well, the NHL needs to make some rubles as well, and you know, the players do too because they're, they're business partners. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's, it's, they got to they gotta get these TV contracts done. Uh, there's a whole lot that the NHL... So I, I understand what you're saying, and I tend to agree with you that, like, hey, what's the point of all this? But at the same time, there's a lot at stake right now, and including the livelihood of you know a lot of these NHL franchises right now. I mean, we might take it for granted a little bit because we're in Vancouver, and all the Canadian uh, franchises outside of Ottawa are are healthy, relatively healthy, in terms of finances, except for Ottawa, of course. Yeah, but that's just a whole other. They story. rob any charities uh, lately? Oh. <laughs> I'll ask Craig Button on the other side. Eugene actually. Melnick with an AK <laughs> going to the Sens Foundation, yeah. pulling an Omar. Uh, we are we're going to talk to Craig Button uh, about everything we've been batting around today. Hey, 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 uh, hey! As well, I got the Craig Button preview here because okay. Elite Prospects just put out a new draft ranking. Okay, I sent it to Craig Button. I told him to check it out. Yeah, we're going to go toe to toe on some of the most hotly contested players. The draft is the one thing that actually will happen in okay. hockey, so you're going to want to tune in. Hold on, hold on. I know you're going to try and throw. You're terrible at doing the throws, though. So that's that's my Holy job. Cr- uh, but so basically, what you're saying is, I can I can put my feet up for the next 15 minutes. Yeah, go for it. Leave. All right, it's Rinkwide. It's a show that always scores right here on TSN 1040. Now more of Rinkwide on TSN 1040. Here's JD Burke and Andrew Watton. Welcome back to Rinkwide. Death to Jason Croker. It's Welcome the show back that always scores. In the break here, uh, Jason Croker, our producer, just broke JD's heart. Well, he didn't break my heart. He ruined my viewing experience. Yeah, well. What season are you in? I'm The Sopranos, the by the way. We're talking about season. The Sopranos here. Fifth season. Yeah. Okay. If you haven't seen The Sopranos yet, plug your ears. No, don't, because okay. we're not going to ruin it for anybody. I'm oh, not, okay. Okay. No, I've seen what that does to anyway people. jd uh got a little bit of a spoiler alert there but uh anyway <laughs> no good, alert. Ju- good job there yeah no alert exactly um in the inbox right now jeff on the island spent my morning watching the canucks goals from this season it made me feel upbeat about the canucks chances in the playoffs if it happens love the show thank you uh also i'd take tanov and Tofoli over marky for free agents demko's there for a reason don't want another lou schneider sit or scenario uh, that's close to being right. I mean, you don't want to keep Tanev. He's not a top four defenseman anymore. Yeah. By every reasonable rubric, yeah, he's not yeah, at the level that yeah. he was like even two or three years ago. We we debated this a little bit um, on the PM Drive show when uh, John Abbott and Blake Price were sitting in, or at least Abs was for half a week with uh, with Blake, and. What a week for Blake. Blake mentioned that, uh, oh, feed up. Um, Blake mentioned that he, he felt that, uh, Marky could take like a seven, seven million dollar one year contract. And I pushed back and said, no, 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 no. Like, I think that, you know, three years at like 15.6 or something like that. So at like five, two per, you might be able to get a guy on the cheap because there, there's a guaranteed that you get 15 million dollars. 
But no. Blake, Blake, Blake was like, no, no, I feel like he's going to take a short term. Anyway, there's, it's, a, it's a good debate right now because of the fact that we don't know where the salary cap is going to go. And it, you know, it's probably going to stay flat. So it's going to be interesting to see what sort of contracts players like uh, Jacob Markstrom take. Uh, we can ask Craig Button about this right now. He's on the line with us. Uh, Craig, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, very well, thanks. Hanging in there. Uh, I think we could we could start there, Craig. Could you, do you see a scenario this year where, as we debated it on uh, the PM Drive show, and Blake was saying that you know he could see uh, Jacob Markstrom perhaps just taking a one year at like seven, as opposed to maybe somebody else offering him three at like fifteen, uh, because of the fact that you know kind of bet on himself to try to hit a bigger home run down the road. But I don't think there's any guarantee that down the road there's going to be that much more money available. Well, I, you know what? We're dealing in a, in, in, in a landscape of uh, contracts and free agency that, you know, that, that nobody really knows how it's going to play out, right? And nobody knows, you know, with respect to revenues, how that's going to affect the hockey-related uh, portion of the salary cap. You know, one of the interesting things, uh, Andrew and JD, is, is you hear a lot of things about, oh, well, the NHL – you know, and their CBA, you know, now they're trying to reverse on it. If they want to go by the CBA, it, it, it's already been addressed. If revenues are down, players get 50% of hockey-related revenues. And, and then they're going to have to pay back the corresponding uh, at the, uh, money that they didn't earn. And that was, a, that, that was done back in 04, 05. And, and, but there's going to be significant, uh, I, I guess what I would call, problems for every single NHL team if you want to enforce the CBA, which necessitates collaboration between the players in the NHL to try to work through this scenario that is nobody's fault. Now, as I go on to Jacob Markstrom, you know, like, like to me, you know, we can talk about three-year contracts. We can talk about a one-year contract at $7 million. I mean, I'll be straightforward with you. If I'm an NHL team, I'm not signing anybody. I'm not signing anybody until the day comes that I'm forced to have to make a decision on that player and or, and, and they could be in, inclusive or exclusive, or I have a lot better understanding of what system I'm going to be dealing with ahead of time. Because if you're going to go and do that now, I think that that is irresponsible with respect to managing your team and your salary cap. You want to know a team that's managing themselves really well, that would be the Buffalo Sabres. Or what's left of them, anyway. Uh, Craig, I think there was up to 19 people who, unfortunately, and, and we shouldn't make light of this, lost their, their employment uh, over the management shuffle. Of course, one of them was eventually rehired. I mean, uh, where do you even start with that, Craig? And what's your analysis of the situation? Because I can't find a good starting point for a question myself when there are so many people affected in such a, a brisk instance, especially after Jason Botterill, the head of it all, was given a vote of confidence, what, three weeks ago? Yeah, you know what, I, I, what I would say is, is you know what, we, we, we always talk about a vote of confidence and what it means or what it doesn't mean, so I'm, I'm not going to put too much weight into that. Uh, you know, interestingly enough, you know, when we look, and, 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 and I find it fascinating, J.D., you know, uh, Terry and Kim Bagula came in and, you know, bought this Buffalo Sabres, the Buffalo Bills. And, you know, they have obviously a lot of uh, financial uh, wherewithal, number one. Number two, lots of, lots of affinity for the Buffalo area and, and, and specifically for the Buffalo Sabres. And 
so now we, we, we come to this day and we see, and, and it affects a lot of people, JD and Andrew, people you know, people I know, people I respect, people I like, and, you know, it doesn't come down. But, you know, I'm hearing a lot of things about, you know, well, Kevin Adams doesn't have any experience, or Kevin Adams doesn't have this. Well, let's just look at what happened with the last two general managers that came in with lots of experience. Tim Murray and Jason Botterill. It's been a disaster. So can they do any worse by bringing in somebody with no experience? Well, I, I think that's an interesting question. But what about somebody with a, a, an experience that wasn't exactly well-reviewed or perhaps wasn't exactly um, you know, thought of with great esteem by some of his peers, and that would be Mike Gillis. Because I look at these teams, I look at the Buffalo Sabres, and of course I can't assume that Gillis would sign there. We can't make these assumptions. But you look at all the losing, whether it's on the ice, you look at the losses that some of these owners have incurred off of the ice, this is the man responsible for the most successful era of Canucks hockey, and he can't seem to find work. And I'm thinking about everything he's said since he's re-entered the public sphere. I'm thinking about this man's track record, and I'm going, look, if I'm the Sabres, if I'm the Devils, how many GMs do I have to go through before I move heaven and earth to go with somebody who's proven he can do it at the NHL level? Proven what? Well, he can build a winner, a durable winner. Well, actually, what he, what he did was is he took, a, he took a franchise that was in pretty good shape with respect to players, and he advanced it, okay? And, 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 and if you're looking for that in, in, in an organization, then absolutely you should look at Mike Gillis. But, you know, every organization requires something different. And, you know, you, you have to identify very clearly, okay, what, what are the challenges our organization faces? What are the necessary requirements for us to move past that? And, then, and, that, and like Mike came in, and in Vancouver, was about taking them to another level. He, he did that. Nobody can dispute that. But are the Buffalo Sabres ready to be taken to another level? I don't, I don't think so. But, and, and that doesn't preclude or exclude Mike from consideration. I'm just saying you have to evaluate where your organization is at at any particular moment in time, understand what the challenges lay ahead of you are, and then look at what is necessary in a candidate to be able to fulfill those roles. It can't just be willy-nilly and vague, oh, he did this, or he was part of the most successful era uh, of the Vancouver Canucks. That's undeniable. But it may not apply to where the New Jersey Devils or the Buffalo Sabres are at presently. And, and, and that's, not to, that's not to be in favor of Mike Gillis or in disfavor of Mike Gillis. That's just a fact of hiring people in those positions. It's not about the name. The first thing that has to happen, and, and, and these are where mistakes happen in every industry. It's about, okay, what does a job entail? What do we need given our present condition and our present circumstances? What are the qualifications that we need to it? Then we go to the name, not the name first. Right, right. But, but just to push back here, and I think everything you're saying tracks, but if you look at, for example, the Minnesota Wild, I mean – hiring Paul Fenton and somebody who didn't have a track record of any level of success, right? Wouldn't it stand to reason then if you were to compare a Mike Gillis to a Jason Botterill to a Paul Fenton to even a Ray Shiro, what I'm trying to suggest is doesn't his track record suggest under normal circumstances that he should have been given a shot now and that perhaps there is some league-wide aversion that we can't quite put our finger on to what Mike Gillis 
did with the Canucks, the manner in which he carried himself, something like that that is preventing him from getting a job? I'm not a conspiracy theorist, right? I, I, I can't speak to uh, if there's an aversion or if there's not an aversion to Mike Gillis. But, but J.D., I'm going to be very clear with you. Every single situation is different. And again, you're jumping ahead of yourself and just putting the name in terms of things. I don't know what Craig Leopold was, was looking at when he was evaluating his team. Could Mike Gillis have been a, a, a significant and serious candidate? I, I, I would say yes. But it, it, you go through it and you, and you look at what people's experiences are, what their skill sets are, what, what the job requires at any moment in time. There is no such thing as normal circumstances. Every circumstance is different. And every, every circumstance requires something different. And when you're in those hiring positions as, as ownership or, or president, you have to, number one, recognize what's needed at that moment in time. You know, you hear this all the time. You hear about, you know, uh, you know wartime presidents. You hear about, you know, generals that are, that are peacetime generals and wartime generals. They're very different things. It doesn't mean that somebody's not qualified to be a general, but you better know what the circumstance is and is that person the right one for that particular circumstance. I am not in any way uh, you know, diminishing Mike Gillis's accomplishments. They are what they are, but they don't fit into every single scenario. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, we're talking to Craig Button, TSN's Director of Scouting. Uh, Craig, want to talk about the hub cities? Uh, we did hear some reports last week. It looked like Vegas was going to be a done deal. Now start, starting to hear that it's maybe 50-50 there. I'm looking at COVID numbers in the United States going, wow, how are they going to play down there with uh, the way things are spiking? And I don't think they've ever really flattened there. Perhaps maybe both hubs could be in Canada. What do you think? Well, you know, Andrew, you've heard me, you've heard me say this for a couple of weeks now. You know, when I look at, uh, you know, Van, at, at BC and Bonnie Henry and everything the, the, that the health ministry has done in BC, they're not just, uh, uh, you know, uh, great examples of, of how to manage it and deal with it in Canada. They're worldwide leaders. Why would Vancouver not be at the top of the list? Mm-hmm. I, I ask the question. Why would they not? Because in my view, if, if I have a vote and I don't have a vote, they would be at the top of my list. Mm-hmm. And, and again, we all know that under ideal circumstances, the, you, you would like to have one team in the East or one hub in the East and one in the West. But players and, 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 and the league, I think you have to look at it and say, what are our best two hubs? And if it happens to be two in the West and two in Canada, that's okay. What you want to do is get to the best. If you have an option to balance it out that's, that's reasonable and just as strong, well, then you can consider that. But I really believe that you have to look at your best two hub cities and then work from there. Because one of the things, and Andrew Brandt, who was a front office executive with the Green Bay Packers, a lawyer and does a lot of media work now, one of the things he tweeted today was, this may be what we're dealing with in sport which is a stop, start, stop, start kind of stuttering as, as, as we try to get a, a firmer grip on COVID-19, on a firmer grip on the, on the spread of it, and try to return to where we don't have to manage it in, in such a significant way. But, you know, when, when, if that's what we're dealing with and that's the climate we're dealing with, then Try to take away as many of the variables that could be negative as possible to try to move forward. 
understanding that you still may run into some some pockets of disruption. Craig, I wanted to ask you about the 2020 NHL draft. Pretty much the one certainty we do have in hockey, as I like to keep saying. I mean, <laughs> did you get a chance to review the newest board that we put out on Elite Prospects? I think I fired that one off for you. We've got a, a question in the inbox here about who your top five prospects are. Uh, we're pretty low on time, so I'll let you answer that one quickly. And then uh, if you had a chance to review the board, anything stick out to you or anything that uh, caught your attention that we can maybe riff on here? <laughs> well, so so you, you you've given me a very short time frame to talk about. It. No, well, no, go ahead, Craig. go for go it, ahead. go for I'm it. I kid you, I kid you. I'm a subscriber to Elite Prospects. I I I, I think there is uh, really really valuable content on there in, in all different areas, right? And JD, you and I have talked many a times about you know different thoughts. You know, it's not that everybody's going to have the same opinions on the players or the same projections on the players. But, you know, people that do the work and people that dig in and do the work, you know, I have the greatest respect for. So, you know, when I look at the board and certainly you've expanded it to 124, but, but I, and, and I'll start by answering that to the first question. So we talk about top five and I got asked this question uh, by a reporter in Ottawa a few days ago and they said, what's the worst case scenario uh, for the uh, Ottawa Senators if they pick five and six? And, and I responded back and I said, you know, this worst case scenario stuff, I, I find it laughable. And, and I'll tell you why. Because why don't we rewind to the 2017 draft? So the lottery happens. The Colorado Avalanche are displaced from one to four. And, and, and by extension, the Vancouver Canucks get displaced from two to five. So if we were talking about worst case scenario from that draft, Colorado drafts McCarr at four, Vancouver drafts Elias Patterson at five. If that's a worst case scenario, sign me up. Yeah, sign no, me up. no kidding. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, right? Okay. So, and, and we could go, I mean, Heiskanen went third. So, like, you know, I know this for a fact from people in New Jersey. They had McCarr number two on their list. So, you know, if, if they took Hitcher, which we know they did. So they obviously had him number one. They had McCarr number two. So at two, they have McCarr, but there's P- Pedersen and Heiskanen. Uh, Pedersen went five, Heiskanen went three. I-, I don't care what one of the three you take. I-, I don't know how you're going wrong. So when I look at this draft, J.D. and top five, seven, eight, nine, maybe even ten players, like I really believe that the quality of player available in, 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 that, in that range, and let's just call it top ten, is pretty impressive. And I think it's imperative when you're evaluating players, and I'm talking about from a team point of view, look at it and say, okay, what's the strengths of this player? What does this player's strengths have? What position does this player have? What do we value? And what do we want to fit into our team? I wish it was as easy as, okay, this is the best player. This is the next best player. This is the next best player. It, 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 is, it, it isn't that easy. Yeah, when Connor McDavid comes along, we know he's number one. We know it. It's It's simple. But in the rest of it, it isn't simple. So when I look at your uh, top eight, top nine, top ten, right, like I might have them in different order, J.D., but we have the same players. So we can have a really good discussion, debate back and forth, but I don't think we'd be debating or disagreeing on the quality of the player. We, we might have a preference of one over another. We might think a player has a little bit higher uh, potential, all those things that go into the evaluation, 
but we're not disagreeing on the group of players. And that's where I believe you have to get to. You have to get into the group of players, make sure you have the right group, and then have at her. And when you and when you get at the end of it at the discussion, and I think JD, you said you did five and a half hours yeah. of, of meetings that that you're considering making public as a debate. I, I think that would be incredibly valuable for people to hear that because that's what goes on in NHL uh, rooms when they're discussing the prospects. So, you know, where, where I look at and I see d- d- different things is, is if I see something, I go, okay, this player, they have them pretty high, and I know they do the work. I go back and evaluate what I'm doing. I don't start with a, what the hell are they thinking about? I try to go back and go, what the hell was I thinking about? Because <laughs> I might be missing. No, I really am. Yeah. No, because, no, that's you know, we, we, the best we, way to do we it. We all go through a confidence level, right? But like, I think too much of the time, J.D., there's too much of this, oh, can you believe they had that player at six? Yeah, yeah I can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah. But well, hey. it, it's, it's where I see a wide variance of players. And, and, and you know what? I, I got a real benefit, and I think we, J.D., you do, at, at, at Elite Prospects, I do too. We don't have to – a lot of times a draft is happening, we've already had to put, put, put a stake in the ground. And, and I'll tell you, I don't know Tristan Robbins very well from Saskatoon, and, I, and I'm seeing a lot of different thoughts about him, and I've been asked some questions about him, right? Mm-hmm. I, I got to go dig in on him a little bit more because I don't know him very well. Yeah. So I, I have the luxury now. I can't just say, oh, what I saw was no good. He didn't show me anything. That's not a good enough answer. There's too many other people that, that, that hold them in some kind of regard. So I'm going to go try to go and evaluate, you know, what is he about? And I think that's the same with a number of players. And so, J.D., when I go through 124, I'm paying attention. <laughs> yeah. Well, Thanks, hey, listen, man. how You're many people How many people push back on the uh, Canucks for picking Patterson at five, too, right? And, and all of them that, are wrong. Yeah, that worked out pretty good for him. <laughs> uh, Craig, uh, you always work out for us. Love it. Uh, love you joining us here, slumming it on the weekends with us, and uh, have yourself a great rest of the weekend. And, uh, well, I'll be talking to you later on this week. Well, let me just say this to you. I'm never slumming with you guys. Yeah, That's number believe. one. And number two, and, and JD, like, let's have the. We got lots of time to to the draft. Let's let's talk about some of those, yeah. some of these players, and some of these groupings and everything, and try to give some of the fans uh, a little bit more insight. I'd love to be part of that. You know what, Craig? We'll have you on one of our live streams for Elite Prospects. We'll make it happen. Okay, you got me. All right, thanks so much, Craig. Have a great weekend. Okay, yeah, you guys have a great weekend also. That's Craig Button, TSN's director of scouting. We got to get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we kind of have another segment to do here. But I, uh, I see Trev at the window with yeah, a pistol. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be <laughs> short. Uh, I'll keep it locked here, guys. Rink wide. Show all, that always scores. <laughs> TSN 1040. Now more of Rink Wide on TSN 1040. Here's J.D. Burke and Andrew Watton. Okay, we're back for one a couple minutes here because we Great review the show. We, Thanks for tuning in. Well, hold goodbye. on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I do want to get to a couple of things before we do actually say goodbye. Hi in Victoria. You've been making some good points in the inbox, sort of backing up your stance on why you think Mike Gillis was a good GM for the Canucks. I really like your takes in here. If you got him in a little bit earlier, we would have been able to read them all, but I do appreciate you chiming in. You're welcome to uh, uh, come on with us any, well, at least be in the inbox each and every yeah. week here. Also, would love to hear more prospect talks. This is uh, uh, unsigned uh, with you guys and Button. We're, 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 we're talking about it. 
We're talking about it. We want to make it happen I'm as tell- well. You know what? We'd love to do a draft preview show uh, with you too. So I, I'm going to be on brand right now, on character. Well, here we go. We are the Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper of TSN, <laughs> and and they're they're going to figure it out. Renault Desai just walked in the uh, studio, rolling I saw, his eyes. I, I saw that eye roll. <laughs> I saw that, Renault. I, I thought we were friends, and then uh, apparently not. <laughs> All right, music's playing. I want to thank everybody for chiming in in the inbox today. Also, all our guests, Thomas Drance, Rick Dollywall, Craig Button, who you just heard there. If you missed any of the show, the podcast will be up in podcast form. Wherever you find them, rate, review, do all that good stuff. Have a great weekend. I'm Andrew Wadden. He's J.D. Burke. For Jason Croker, our producer, have a great weekend, everyone. <laughs>